Well, welcome back to another episode of Talking Church today. I'm excited to be joined by Lou Hernandez and Pastor Chris Book. Uh, Pastor Chris, you are our lead executive pastor, oversee the uh, pretty much the entire team of River Valley, the executive team, um, and everyone else. And then Lou, you oversee, are you director of infrastructure? Correct. Did I get that right? Awesome. Yep. So uh, infrastructure, that encompasses a few things. We can get into what that is. But today we're going to talk about building projects. And I, and I want to kind of have a disclaimer from the start. We're not going to talk about fundraising for buildings. We have so many resources for that, generosity accelerators. We've done Kingdom Builders episodes before. So if you are here and you clicked on this and you thought, this is how I'm going to fund my building, we have the resources for you, but it's not specifically this episode. This episode, we're going to talk about building projects, actually building out buildings, looking for properties, leases, unique opportunities we'll get into that you can do to have church or doing events. Um, but that I'm kind of setting the table for that. So could you guys each share a little bit about what your role has been in building projects over the years. Obviously, some of them are very recent. Um, Pastor Chris, you've done this at a number of different churches in different roles, but can you talk about kind of the experiences you've had, and then we can talk about some things that we've learned. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want to go, Lou? Sure. So my experience um, as of late, like you said, has been a little more recent, mm -hmm. um, but really with the last couple of projects, it's been a couple different things. I would say one looking for um, possible campus expansion, so existing campus, uh, looking for a new location, um, maybe looking for remodeling. Um, but recently with the city campus was more the the looking for a permanent home for yeah. a campus that's been around for a number of years. Awesome. Yeah, and you know a number of different churches I've taken on a number of different roles, but it's always been in the realm of of just helping with the build out of the building. So it really wasn't until I got here where I got to be kind of like lead the whole charge on actually acquiring a building and doing everything. So so right now it really would entail um, you know when Lou identifies an area we're going to go into or a property, um, I'm I'm kind of the bank liaison. I I'll be the elder liaison with you know Pastor Rob and our elders and whatnot, and and really setting the parameters, the financial parameters, vision parameters, strategic parameters around around what the project is going to look like. So when we kind of kind of going all the way to the beginning point, and and obviously it's going to begin with a vision. And so if if you know pastors are listening right now, they're thinking. Um, maybe they're they're in that situation where they say we're renting a venue right now and we're looking for a permanent home, or they want to launch a new location, or they actually are wanting to launch a church and they say I we can't own anything yet. We just want to find a place to meet. And post COVID world, it's still difficult, but it's for many it's getting a little bit easier to to find venues. But depending on what real estate looks like in their area, it can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. So once it gets past the point of it comes from Pastor Rob comes from leadership that we have made the decision to, to whether that be find a permanent home, start a new location, or find a venue to rent, what, what is kind of the starting process for people? And I know it can be basic. People may say, I'm already two or three steps ahead of that. But what do we, we kind of start with in that process? Yeah, I, what we like to try and start with is what are the actual needs that we're trying to fulfill? I think what most churches start with is how much we can afford. 
Sure. Right? <laughs> That's and a so huge distinction. It, it yeah. is a huge distinction. I, I think if we can start with the, what do we actually need out of a building? Is it, do we need an adult worship space? Do we need a kids' worship mm-hmm. space? Do we need multiple meeting rooms? And then, and then what we choose to do, rather than try and do it on our own, is actually work with a commercial real estate group that will go out and identify different properties for us. We typically look at price second or even third because, mm-hmm. because we want to make sure we're, we're fulfilling what the requirements are. And because, like you mentioned, it is getting so challenging to actually find properties that cities are willing to take off the cla- mm-hmm. off the rolls or, or to reclassify, rezone. Um, even like with, with some churches, you know, shutting down, you, you think there's, there's an opportunity for some, some churches there as, or some property there as well. That just hasn't panned out yeah, for a lot yeah. of churches. And so, yeah, like, like I said, though, if we can start with the, the end in mind, what are we trying to accomplish? Then we back into it with price, make sure we can afford it. That's how we like to try and do it here. That, that's, it's so small, but that, that could be the nugget alone for a lot of people that are thinking. Cause, sure. cause I think a lot of people, because their vision is big, is we want the biggest venue for the budget we can afford. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing else considered. It's how many seats does it seat mm-hmm. and can we afford it? And it's, it, you know, you, you go into the school with the big auditorium or the gymnasium or what can we pack the most people out? And for some churches that it is a need and it's, we, we can't do this if the capacity is 50 people and we're a church of 300, we'd have to do too many services. It doesn't make any sense. But when we're looking at, let's, let's say, you know, I don't know the average size church, but let's just say it's 200. Yeah. If, if we had a campus that was two, 300, wh- what are some of those benchmarks for us to say, capacity, you know, what, what are some of those other things? You mentioned kind of what type of ministry, but when we do start getting into more of the, the fine details, is there a, a number we're looking for or for, for a growth step? Because obviously when you move into a new space, mm-hmm. you're hoping not to be there for a year. It's, right. it's, it's for a long term. Is there any rubric or things that we look at in there? Yeah, I, I would say what we know, what we call the River Valley number is about 500 people. Oh. And what I mean by that is we know that our model of church and the way the way we like to do ministry, the events we do, the ministries we hold, the staffing, all that, the church pays for itself at about 500 people. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I try and start out in my mind with a, with a either new campus or even a campus looking to expand. So we know right away we'll always almost always start with two services. So I don't need a 400-seat auditorium. I need something that could probably seat 150 to 200 people because mm-hmm. if you add kids in there, sure. volunteers, all that stuff, you know, you're, you're looking at about a 200 seat auditorium, and you're going to start out with two services uh, right out of the gate, and so right there, you could have you could have your 500 capacity right there. I think now, Lou, back back me up or, mm-hmm. or disagree with me on this, yep. but as we've been looking for properties. You try and get to that sweet spot of four or five hundred people. There's not a lot out there at the four to five hundred right. mark. We were actually just looking at a property this morning, and it to me it looked like a five hundred seater. And the guy's like, "No, it's three hundred people," mm-hmm. which just shocked me. So it seems like that three hundred capacity is pretty normal. And and if you're willing to do more than two or three services, you can grow a church for a long time in a in a auditorium the size of a two, 250, 300 people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. No, I would agree with that. Like you were saying, you know, the 500 is kind of the magic number, you know, when we start looking at different events, different activities, different meetings. But the reality, like uh, Chris said, is, you know, a seat or excuse me, an auditorium that's 300 people can meet those needs. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and really even smaller than that, you know, kind of that 300 seat auditorium that we looked at this morning, you know, two services at 600 people. And I think accounting too for the onboarding, you know, when you start up a new campus, you always see that big spike, yeah. you know, where we're planning for 500, but we have 900 coming through for the next month. And then we trickle back down to 300. Yeah. So just finding that balance. But again, getting back to uh, what Chris said, you know, what are the needs of the campus to really drive that? And I do think post COVID has, has, reconditioned us a little bit in the sense that a 300 seat auditorium now feels like a hundred seat auditorium because people want that buffer of, I mean, people always wanted that buffer in church, but they want, now they want one or two seats next Mm -hmm. to them. Not even necessarily like, Oh, I'm afraid of catching it, but just even that, just our personal space has changed. You know, six feet is kind of just, Hey, let's just, we don't need to be tightly packed. I I remember I was tightly packed in the elevator a few weeks ago and we were all just right next to each other and I could feel people breathing on me. And I'm like, I don't like this. Like (laughs) I've I've been conditioned, but I just, I don't really like it anymore. Um, not that I liked it before, but I'm, I'm more aware of it. So has, has that at all like impacted some of this? I mean, obviously you just looked at a building this morning, but when when we think about packing people in, is there a number, like, let's say it seats 500 people. What is full in our mind? Like, I mean, it's not obviously max capacity of 500, but when people are thinking about adding a service, have we discovered anything about, is it 60%, 70%? Is is that anything we've looked at at all? I'll, I'll throw out what I've seen is, well, my first observation is pastors are the only ones that that mind speaking to empty rooms, right? <laughs> and so, so where where we might we might feel a little insecure or a little frustrated because there's not a lot of people in there. The room doesn't feel all that full. Most people don't care because mm-hmm. yeah. they like like you're saying they love having that space. That's why it's really imperative for us to do more and more, more and more uh, services. But when you're looking for a specific metric, things that we found. Uh, 60 to 70% feels yeah. really good right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I would say, I don't know if that's a hard and fast rule or more of a feel that we have. I think it depends on the church. So the the pastor we were talking right. about this morning, he'd pack the room out to 100, 110%, 120% mm-hmm. every single week if he could. Sure. And, and really... His people would be just fine with that. Uh, where I don't, I think our experience in the last year and a half has been not that. It's been a little yeah. bit more, like you said, let's have a little bit of room. I'll have my family, I'll have my group here, and then and then I just yeah, give me a seat or two or three, uh, and so that that's. Yeah. And Lou, I kind of heard a little bit. You mentioned events briefly, but. There's there's a number of different capacities to consider because mm-hmm. it's weekend attendance, but then you have service attendance. Yep. And then you have event attendance. Mm-hmm. Because let's say you do two or three services, and then you say, hey, we want to have a marriage night, right. or we want to have a, a young adult night, or yep. fill in the blank. Well, that could be way smaller than your total mm-hmm. weekend attendance, or it could be, let's say everyone shows up, which as a pastor, everyone laughed in their car when they're listening to this. Everyone shows up. But let's say more people show up than typically do. Right. Now you're in a packed room. Mm-hmm. And so I think there are some elements to where when you're planning this out, to the needs that you have, you can't just be thinking weekend service. Right. You can't just be right. thinking, well, we do three services mm-hmm. now, so if we do three services there, we'll have plenty of capacity. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what can you get enough volunteers? Because now you have twice as many volunteers because right. it's twice as big of a room. Or and and I remember hearing, you know, Craig Rochelle talked about at a service, 
add a service. If you mm-hmm. want to grow by 100 or 150 people, mm-hmm. add a service. And you mm-hmm. may say, well, that's how big we are now. Well, you're doing one. Mm-hmm. And and rather than going out and buying a building, what is the maximum number of service we can do as a team? Can we, can we do uh, two teams? Team A does the morning, team mm-hmm. B does the afternoon and evening. You know, be creative. I remember yes. I was at a church and I think they had seven services on the weekend and it was just back to back to back to back. And they had, they were filling the, filling the room and they were like putting pipe and drape over certain seats because they, mm-hmm. they wanted to make it feel full. And yep. um, others, you go into an auditorium and it seats 10,000 people and there's like 30 people. It feels like there's 30 right. people in there, but there's maybe a mm-hmm. thousand. Yeah. And that service was three times as big as the small one, but it, it felt like there's not a soul here. Oh, yeah. And so um, when, when you look at some of our larger campuses, like even choosing the room, sometimes the bigger room is the wrong room. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at some of the other challenges of building projects, we couldn't talk about this without challenges because right. everyone, I think I've heard, um, you know, it's never going to cost what you think it's going to cost. And it's never going to be finished when you think it's going to be finished. Mm-hmm. Can you guys share a little bit about that in your experience? Um, whether that be making a deal with somebody, whether that be through a construction project, maybe just to reassure some pastors <laughs> who are in the middle of a building project right now, yeah. but what are some things that you've seen? And of course this doesn't, uh, it's not the same everywhere in the country, mm-hmm. but what, what are some insights in that? Well, I know for me, one of the recent ones, well, three years ago, I can think of, you know, the surprises, like you said, and how do you work with those surprises? But I think of Woodbury, you know, yep. in fact, this just came up. When was it? We had a conversation just a little bit ago about it, but with the Woodbury build out, you know. One and that's was, a leased building. Correct. It's yep. a leased building that we went in a into. Business like park. A, yeah, business park. But the big surprise we got was the giant plumbing that was in the center of the auditorium. You know, and it's like, oh, hey, we'll just move it. You know, then you work with contractors and they're like, yeah, it'll cost you $250,000 to reroute all that. And it's like, all right, so how do we get creative now to work around that so we're not spending an additional $250,000? And again, it could be as simple as mounting a TV on there so you could have people sit behind it. Is that it. what we did? What did we do? Um, I don't even know. We kind of went yep. around it, but yeah, yeah, we got TV and stuff. But again, yeah, we, we built creative. a pillar and then put a TV on it yep. and said, we just solved a. We just made a two hundred fifty thousand dollar problem go away with a two thousand dollar solution. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's not ideal, but it's better than spending the quarter million. Right. What What are some ways that, that we've seen? And I want to keep on this vein. I know there's plenty of other things that we could learn on this, but what are some ways that we've avoided some of those mistakes? Because in that in that case, a two thousand uh, dollar fix was able to solve that problem. But there's other mistakes that were not mistakes, but just oversights, things mm-hmm. we didn't see. Yeah. That you can't put a TV on it. You know, it, you, sorry, the city, even something city law requires you to fix this, even though the other building owner didn't have right. to, but now you were required. And you're like, what? Like, how, <laughs> how does that work? I remember at our cross building, there was this giant water mm-hmm. tank underneath one of the parts of the building and oh, yeah. it needed to be dug up. And, like I, what other things have we, have we seen or ways we've avoided it? Oh, I know I asked a lot of questions there. No, <laughs> it, it's great. Uh, the best way to to have those, to work on those, is make sure you have an experienced facilities team. Sure. I mean, so what I mean by that is at the time, so Lou was not in role at the right. time. Yeah. It was a gentleman by the name of Scott. Well, he'd built a number of buildings for us, and he saw, he was there when they were digging out the tank, when they found the tank. So 
he knew the exact procedures to go through and the things you don't want to do that might that might cause a delay in the construction. Mm-hmm. So he called me right away and said, hey, here's where we're at. What do you think we should do? Here's my recommendation. I said, great, we're going to go with that one yeah. and mm-hmm. see if that works. And it did. So, uh, so where I'm going with that, though, is so much of what you learn is because your first few building projects, you make the mistakes and you go, I'm never doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. never doing that again. And you just learn. You, you learn that. And this is this is not a, a critique of the contractors you work with, but you put a plan out from the contractors. And they say, okay, in order to accomplish that, then you have to do this. And there, I've always found contractors are great working with you. Yep. If you don't, you don't have to accept everything they say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can challenge it. You can you can ask the question. Really, does that have to happen? Does that need to cost right. a quarter yep. million dollars? Is there any way that can cost one hundred twenty five thousand? Mm-hmm. Oh well, if we would have rotted it to the left instead of the right, that's exactly. one hundred twenty five thousand. Oh, let's do that. Mm-hmm. So, I think if if you are just engaged in the building process, asking open ended and leading yep. questions, you get people talking to you. If mm-hmm. if if all it is is just working off the construction timeline and the checklist, you're going to do exactly that. But instead, I would just say be very engaged and then know you're going to make mistakes. So nothing ever gets done on time. Nothing ever gets done in budget. That's true. And that's true for a couple of reasons. A lot of times it's because you have pastors who are not, I mean, we went, we're trained theologically. That's what we went to college for. We, we're not trained in, in business and whatnot. And, and oftentimes we're the ones leading the projects. And so there's some expensive tuition there when you say, no, I can't have a poll there. Mm-hmm. So I has to, we have to spend the quarter million dollars. When you go to someone else's church, you're like, they have a poll there and they put a TV on there. Mm-hmm. Shoot, that looks great. <laughs> and I bet you they spent $10,000 right. on that. Okay. So experience is a great teacher. And just make sure you're engaged in asking questions. Yeah. What I heard is, uh, sorry, new church planner who's listening to this. You're just going to have to make the mistakes. I'm joking, obviously. And by the way, I did major in business. Um, That's true. Some, but, some. but I, I, th- I actually love what you said, the asking with humility, because, because I think that there is sometimes people think that I'm the leader of this church. I need to be mm-hmm. so good at everything, and I yeah. need to I need to champion this thing, and I I need to show them who's boss and right. show them that I know what I'm doing. And then that's when they end up getting into the mistakes right. that are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars, yeah. or or put into a position because the contractor says, "Well, you said that's what you wanted, and mm-hmm. you you were trying to be a hotshot and and make <laughs> it look good for the church that we're going to have a, a no if ands or buts. We're going to have." Bathrooms everywhere. We're right. going to have a charging station in your seat, or you know, whatever you you think is the great idea. Yep. Yep. It's, but that just costs you a half a million dollars. Right. Versus, hey, help me understand this. Can you can you walk me through that? Or I'm not right. like if you don't fully understand something, mm-hmm. and you're signing the paper, th- there's going to be an issue. Yep. Yes. But say, hey, I don't help me understand this before I sign. Right. Lou, can you talk a little bit about? Um, and obviously, we you know there's. People, we, we're talking about specific people, but even in this perhaps God moment that mm-hmm. we had our city campus, yeah. you know, you approached the owner and said, you know, talk about talk about what what you said and yeah. kind of how that played out. Yeah, I would say it was definitely a God moment. Um, you know, I think Chris and I first started about just having a conversation. He kind of seeded it. it. Was like, you know, would the owner ever be interested? And you this know, was he, a venue we were renting for three years. Yep, for two and a half years two and a half at years, the time. Yeah. So. Um, 
you know, it was like, hey, we're in the middle of the pandemic and, you know, what's it going to hurt? We got a good relationship. So again, just meeting with the previous owner, uh, getting to know him. And then eventually I just said, hey, you want to grab lunch? We went and grabbed lunch and had a conversation, how things are going the last two and a half years, any concerns? And, you know, finally I just kind of threw out the question. It was like, hey, I don't know if you'd ever consider it, but would you be open to selling the building? You know, we love it here. You know, we'd love to make this our permanent home. Um, and of course, his first response was, eh, no, we're good. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we're going to hold on to it, continue the event business. Um, you know, and I just took that moment as, hey, the seed's planted. Yeah. You know, just took a step back and just let it sit. Um, and I think it was two months later, he reached back out mm. and basically asked the question back, were you serious? Um, you know, and at that time I had to come back to leadership and be like, Hey, he's not interested. You know, let's just figure something out. We started looking at other venues yeah. in the area, you know, even previous ones we were in. Um, he called, told me that I went back to leadership and said, Hey, he wants to know if we're serious. And that just opened the doors, to, uh, again, building a relationship, but having more conversations with him. That, I think that's such a a huge breakthrough, not only for our church, but for people to say, what can God do for your building? We're talking about all the things that we need to do. Right. Like we need to account for that. We need to figure out the number, the logistics, but God loves his church more than we do. Mm -hmm. My dad says that all the time. And yep. it's so true. What if we threw it out? And not, again, not in a, God told me you're supposed to give me this building yep. and you're not even a Christian. It's like, you better be sure that that was God if you're going to go out there and say that. Um, but I love the idea of a perhaps God. What, yeah. what if, hey, perhaps God is having this. I don't know. I don't speak on behalf of him, yeah. but but I do know that he loves his church, and I do know that he loves this location and wants us to minister to these people. Yeah. What if? And and you got to know. Yeah. But then two months later, God opened that yeah. door. Yeah. And I think the big thing in that too was you know asking that initial question. I went into it basically with what's it going to hurt? You know, we got a great relationship. The worst thing he's going to say is no. And we just got to be okay with that. And I think we were, yes. you know, we were a little shocked, but it was like, all right, he's not ready. We'll just leave it sit. Yeah. And then just being open-handed about it. You know? And I think it's just important not to over-spiritualize those moments right. either. Sure. Um, it's funny. You said that was my idea. I, I seeded the thought with you. I don't remember that. So until that moment, I thought this was your idea. So wait, wait so. I think I just gave him no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. no, but it, it probably just my point is it probably just came out in a random conversation mm -hmm. you and I were having, just saying, Man, that's a great location. We love that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. We love that building. Maybe he would wanna. And I, I probably just dropped it there yep. and then you took it and ran with it. So let's not over spiritualize these yep. things. Identify where you wanna be. Like, wouldn't wouldn't we naturally think that the Lord would want us to have, that he's so generous with us, he'd want us to have amazing places to meet. Yeah. And now we're in this amazing place. Mm -hmm. And and it's important, I think, for a leader to recognize when to strike while the iron's hot, mm -hmm. you know, when mm -hmm. the opportunity's in hand. So two months previous, he was not interested. Right. But two months later, when the city had imposed a vaccine and a mask mandate, because mm. he was operating a business in the city, the, the the group, the ownership group, was a lot more, a lot more willing. At yeah, that a lot of events canceled. Some, and, yeah, yeah. Nope. to to entertain some offers there. You, you mentioned, you know, the, that God wants us to have nice buildings and nice or nice places to meet. You said, um, how do we distinguish what is too nice? Yeah. And especially when it comes to a build out, I think a lot of people think about that too nice, but also what is not nice enough. You know, my dad talks about how if someone walks in and the carpet is frayed or the mm -hmm. the, the pews are are just old looking and they, they look there's 
there's so many marks on him and the paint's chipped on the wall. And he, he said that the devil's going to use those things yep. to distract them to say, look, they can't even take care of their right. carpet or they have weeds all out in the lawn. They can't even take care of their building. How could you trust them to take care of your soul? And so that is why we put mm -hmm. such a high priority on yep. facilities inf infrastructure here. But then to the same side, we don't go crazy on our buildings and mm -hmm. put, you know, the big giant stone waterfalls and the, you know, gold plated, you know, picture of Jesus or, you know, whatever it is. And, and maybe someone's listening. They're like, well, I have a waterfall. Awesome. We love you have a waterfall. But, but what, what, what is kind of our philosophy when it comes to how good is honoring to the Lord yeah. that shows we can, we can shepherd these people well, but not over the top to where we're we're using something that we're not stewarding the resources well. I mean, the first thought that comes to my mind is when you when you take a, a look at our physical buildings, they match the community they're in. Mm -hmm. hmm. So none of our buildings are under the standard of what the community's in. But I wouldn't say any of them are top ten percent of all the buildings that our communities are in yep. are either. I think it, they are very well done and nice for what the community is in. So I think if we can keep pace with – now, the, the the analogy breaks down because every community has some challenge areas, right? So that's not what I'm talking about. But the the areas your community that that commerce is happening, that people are living, that if – I think your building should match your – if you want your church to match your community, your building should match your community Yeah, a place well. where people feel comfortable. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Correct. And that's not going to be in a place that has – Frank carpet, like you said, or, or weeds on the front lawn. Mm -hmm. Lou, Lou, can you talk a little bit, and maybe both of you guys can jump in here, about our philosophy on financing, on even remodeling, and, you know, Pastor Chris, you can jump in here too, but but we have some pretty strict rules that mm -hmm. the elders lead us by and that we, we follow when it mm -hmm. comes to paying for buildings and renovating mm -hmm. projects. But could you guys talk a little bit about that? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. yeah. You want me to start? Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, when it comes to purchasing a building, you know, one of the things is, you know, we ask that for that campus, they come up with 30% down, mm -hmm. right? Um, so that's a big thing. When it comes to remodeling, um, really it's it's kind of what Chris was describing with the look of the building is working with the campus pastor or the, or the team to really identify, you know, what is it that they're looking for um, and how is it going to impact the feel, the flow? And then when it comes to funding, you know, it's like, all right, you know, come alongside of us. Let's talk about this, um, you know, and what makes sense. Because I think, and you mentioned something a little bit earlier, being a good steward of it, of our resources is a key. You know, it's Absolutely. like, hey, we want to put this type of carpet in. It's like, well, we can get this exact same carpet at a lower price that looks exactly the same. Um, would that be adequate enough and stuff? So again, just being a good steward, um, but again, keeping in mind the community as well and not going over the top because mm -hmm. I think yeah. you can have a tendency of building something big and ex extravagant that you think is amazing, but yet someone from the congregation could come in and be like, this does not make any sense at all. Totally. Yeah, just to piggyback off that, so the 30% rule, we don't even start a project until that 30% is in. Mm -hmm. Um so a campus pastor knows that there's a significant lead time. So their their KB fundraising for the year previous to their construction project is typically dedicated just towards raising mm -hmm. money for that project. Mm -hmm. And they know they have to get 30% in. We'll work on all the financing, work with the banks. They don't need to do all that stuff. All the details we take care of, but they actually have to finance that. And then 
and then the church, you know, the, the church budget really takes care of the the other seventy percent, mm-hmm. and and really it just comes out as an apportionment to their mm-hmm. to their tithes and offerings, uh, and then even on uh, even on remodels, we set aside two and a half percent per month per campus for campus expenses. Mm-hmm. So then campuses aren't constantly coming to Central asking, hey, can I get new carpet? Can I get new chairs? Can I get this or that? The campus pastor is really free to spend the money they want. And if they go over that, then it's going to be an approval from the correct department head. And at times, like we're working with one campus right now, they're they're going to dip in. They're going to they're going to over dip into their their campus reserve fund. But we said that's fine. You can run at a deficit, but mm-hmm. over the course of the next year, you need to make that up, and there right. won't be any other projects. Mm-hmm. And as long as they agree to that, it works out great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that example works really well for churches that are multi-site and mm-hmm. that have multiple different locations. For a church that maybe has one location where they're saying, okay, that's awesome that you get to support them in that way from a central standpoint. But for me, that this is my, I'm here at one location. You, you've pastored a church at one location. Yep. Um, what Would you say anything different to, I mean, we've gotten here over 27 years yep. as an organization. Would you, would you give different advice or would you give modified advice to somebody that's maybe just getting started? Yeah, I'd modify it. I would... I would say right away, live within your means. Mm-hmm. Now, I planted a church, and so I understood what it meant to have 20% of your income going towards rent, 65% of your income going towards salaries, and usually that meant salary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one person, year, yeah. right? You're um, hoping that it gets to <laughs> that number. Yeah. Right, absolutely. And so you're running with no margins. Mm-hmm. And and I would just say, if live within your means and cash is king, right? And yeah. So, so churches i don't i i reject the argument that a church would make that says we can't save mm-hmm. i think every church if you plan it's it's no different than our home budgets mm-hmm. yeah if we can't save at home we're not going to be able to save in you know at our, at our workplace either right. but i think everybody can so so whether you said a two and a half percent church reserve that you can take care of the the rooftop units when they go out yeah. or or whatnot. Um, you can start saving for that right away. But the most important thing is having that margin to live within your means mm-hmm. so that you can't respond to opportunities or challenges when they come up, when the rooftop unit does come up, go out right. and they're not insured. Yeah. A couple of things I want to um, make sure are clear to those listening because because yeah. people because we teach kingdom builders and do generosity accelerators and do this, people are vi- like, they they hang on every word. Sure. Wait, wait, mm-hmm. wait, you said that. What? And so there's a couple of things I thought of that people might say, wait, is that was that contradictory to that? So the 30% rule is for purchasing a building. Correct. And for the, the physical asset that we're purchasing. The remodeling is always done cash. So we don't finance yep. remodeling like updates to, to the yep. church. I mean, if it's if it's a part of the building campaign mm-hmm. that's where po- we're buying the building to remodel it, in that case it could be put into the mortgage. Yep. But if it's hey, we already own this asset, mm-hmm. we're going to update it. That would be done via cash. And then the second point of clarity is you mentioned the individual campus would would their kingdom builders goal that year prior would be to fund their building. Mm-hmm. We do that because we're able to be multi-site, but we never will dip 
below 50% of our kingdom builders total going to global missions. Correct. And so we we talked about it on the other podcasts, but I just, I always, there's there are people out there that go, aha, like we've caught you in a conundrum. We've caught you in a, and you've, you've, you're off there, but but that is what we do in yep, the, in yep. those situations. Coming coming to a close here. Um, this is like 101. There's I mean there's there's so many other things that we could get into, but yeah. it's really just again the, these, this podcast is setting the table for people and then saying hey we have a network if you if you want to mm-hmm. ask us questions that's what we do we have a full team out there so hopefully this can spur ideas maybe answer some questions but also start new questions. If there was a, a piece of advice, and I'm not going to say the best piece of advice because there's so many things, but that you would say to someone who's just getting into a building mm-hmm. project, whether they have experience or not, what would you say is something or a few quick things that you should say, these are some things you should look out to. You've already given a lot of great nuggets, but if there's anything else you say, I didn't get to share that yet. Yeah. I, the one thing that we haven't talked about is just price per square foot, just a sure. very a very simple metric is if you're going to be renting out a warehouse space, you should know what the price per square foot is in the area around you. Right. Again, because pastors are tend they tend to be trained theologically, we don't necessarily think that way. It kind of goes back to my first point. We think, can I afford this mm-hmm. instead of, is this what it should cost? Sure. Right. So, And you would say in that analysis, you're looking at other properties in that community of similar... Yep you know, style. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And your your real estate agent should be able to rattle off those numbers off the top of their head to you. Yep. Sure. Yeah. Yep. And I think for me, um, kind of like what, what Chris was saying earlier, and you kind of alluded to too, being newer to this, um, I think building a network and asking questions, yep. you know, not just within the team, but outside of the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the things I did very quickly when I came on, uh, managing the facility side or overseeing that, was building a network around me of people that I can ask questions of. Um, but then talking to your campuses too. Again, with us being multi-site, you know, I could go to each campus and each campus has got a little different uh, thought or, or opinion on what their experience is and learning from them yeah. too. What works for you might not necessarily work for this campus or what works for this church might not work for this church. Yeah, and I think for churches who'd say, hey, we're a single site, we don't have that mm-hmm. luxury. Well, you have a maybe a network of churches. Mm-hmm. You have mm-hmm. a nope. denomination you're a part of, a district, a network. There's... River Valley Network. Again, we can be that resource. We also like to say, we're not the end-all, be-all. What we say in this podcast is not what we're trying to say is all churches should do this. It's, Mm -hmm. hey, this is what we do if it can be helpful, if we can answer any questions for you. But there are times where we get questions where I say, I know a great church that could answer that question better because they're more in your environment. Mm -hmm. Or have you talked to your neighbor church? Because I know that pastor and he's awesome. Mm -hmm. Oh, I didn't actually know him. Could you connect me? Absolutely. And so I would just say... We're building the Church of Jesus. We're not mm-hmm. building River Valley. Yep. We're not building a church that's your church. We want the Church of of Jesus to be uh, amazing, and we want we want to help others. And so, if if you don't feel like the churches in your area want to share them, hey, what did you pay per square foot? Like mm-hmm. we're we're all in this together. And so, I know right. there are some churches that might hold things a little bit tighter to the vest, but hopefully there's other people in your right. community that are, hey, no, we, we we just got there. I know we, we've been talking, we just moved into a new community, and we've talked to several pastors who either used to pastor in that community or are trying to get into that community, one that I can think of, that they're trying to get there and they still haven't been approved <laughs> Because their their lot is like frozen, and mm-hmm. so we're all talking like, man, this community is hard to get mm-hmm. into. Um, but but championing that together and recognizing that mm-hmm. until everyone in our community is a part of a healthy 
uh, Jesus preaching church. Yep. We can have more churches in that community, oh. and uh, it's it's a gift that we get to do that. So oh, that's right. Thank you guys for for sharing insight on that. If you have questions for them, you can email network at River Valley, and we'll forward it, get it to the right spot. Uh, follow up from this episode or just questions about your building. We want to be a resource for you, and if we don't know the answer, we'll hopefully send it over to someone else who does. And so, thank you guys for being here, and hope this blesses people. So, thank you, Logan. Yeah.